Swim check one, two. Bike check one, two. Run check one, two. I think we're ready. Let's try this. Welcome to the Try Beginner's Luck podcast, a podcast where we explore the sport of triathlon from a variety of perspectives to help beginner triathletes on their journey. I am your host, Nashonda Shines. Okay, look, I'm turning the mic around on our host. And I am usually behind the scenes. And I am here to talk to Mashanda about her first Ironman. Whoop, whoop. Everybody sitting at home as you listen to this, give it a whoop, whoop. <laughs> um, so Mashanda, I mean, I feel like the listeners know you because they've been listening to you all this time, but I don't think they know you and your story and where you've come from. So let's get your story out a little bit. And I, I my apologies in advance. I am nowhere near the interviewer that Mashanda is. So if you were expecting like really good, let's throttle down those expectations right now. Bring them down, bring them down. Everyone listening, bring them down. Well, let's just say, I can't say that I'm the great interviewer, but I do try my best, <laughs> try my best. And, uh, thank you so much for interviewing me uh, to get my story. I don't even know where to start, but what I will say is I am grateful to have you be with me on this journey of trying beginner's luck as a, just, I'm just grateful. So about me, I'm going to tell you the long drawn out story from Augusta, Georgia. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it was a like dark a- and stormy night. <laughs> it was. It was. I, I did this little retroactive. It's like a vault thing where you can find out what the weather was when you were born on the day that you were born. It is so cool. I did it for everybody in my family, but no, it was, it was actually kind of cloudy and raining. But no, I'm originally from Augusta, Georgia. Uh, fast forward, went to school. Uh, college graduated, moved to Atlanta, started working at this company and got hit by a bug to try to be on the swim, to be the swimmer of a triathlon relay. I didn't know it was a quote unquote triathlon at the time because that's not how it was presented. It was presented, hey, would you like to do a relay and swim? So I was like, sure. Again, just I'm kind of one of those, I'm a calculated risk taker. So I will take the risk I also didn't realize this was open water swimming. Oh. So to go out to Lake Lanier, I guess I should have presumed that it was like open water swimming. What, I don't know. Okay. So, so at what point did you realize it was an open water swim? Like before or as you got to the venue? <laughs> I think when I got to the venue and I saw there was no pool. Oh my God. That's yeah. crazy. Because there's sometimes at, you know, campsites, there's pools on deck, at least back in the day when I was a Girl Scout, we went to Camp Tanglewood and in Camp Tanglewood, um, there was a pool on site. So, and there was lakes. So I, again, just was very green and I'm, I can be a little bit naive at some points. And I think it was just naiveness because I didn't really register that I was gonna be swimming in open water. So that day that we did the relay was my first time open water swimming ever. Okay, that was gonna be my next question. So you you anticipated that. Yeah, okay, so what was that like? I don't remember. <laughs> I don't. You completely I blocked it out of your memory. Like, I know nothing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember just, uh, I remember just swimming and getting out and was like, wow, I just swam in, the, in Lake Lanier where People said that if you tried to touch the bottom, you would drown because there's no hole. Like just the stupid myths that people yeah. would tell you about a place. 
And I was like, oh, I survived. And my time wasn't bad because I finished with other people. I just wasn't, I didn't have a watch. I didn't know. I didn't have anything. I just literally went out there and swam. Yeah. And so is in, in triathlon, is swimming your primary sport or were you just asked to be a swimmer because they were looking for a swimmer and they already had a runner and a cyclist or was swimming kind of your your gig and that's where they, they came to you? So I was actually doing laps while we were working at Turner. Okay. So Turner CNN had a pool and I was able to get in laps. And so I was just swimming for recreation, not because yeah. I was good, just for recreation. Am I the most comfortable in the swim? Absolutely. Like okay. I can easily calm myself down, fingers crossed for the 18th, I easily <laughs> calm myself down. In the past, I have been able to easily calm myself down because there are moments where I get a little like, oh my gosh, scared. Like when I did Augusta, I was scared about the alligators because the people in the forums always talking about the things that, you know, just the thing, you know, just those crazy things. And my dad had told me, he was like, yep, they really did find an alligator. And I'm like, like, I just mouthed something that wasn't good. But I was just like, really? Are you serious, dad? Like, why would y'all tell me this? Like, so Augusta, aside from it being a downhill, I mean, a downstream swim was probably Mm -hmm. my fastest swim ever. Yeah. And, and uh, everyone else who's done it, right? Because <laughs> you're just like, let me get out of it. But usually the swim is the strongest part. The bike has always been the weakest part for me. Okay. And the run, I've been able to like, you know, just kind of figure out the run. I look back at my race results this year uh, from when I first started in 2014, uh, when I did Tri Rock Philly, which was my first race, to a race that was com- comparative um, this year and was like, wow, I took off a lot of time from my bike. And that's because I didn't know how to bike. I was biking as if I was a, like a 10 year old, you know, just kind of yeah. biking recreationally and not biking for efficiency and effectiveness. And I think over COVID, I learned how to cycle officially doing a century ride and learning what it meant to, for whatever reason, I started in the small chain gear and had a higher MPH than when I got back into the big chain gear. Mm. And it clicked to me in my head. I said, oh, you have officially become a cyclist now because I was so used to just grinding the gears out. Uh It's not about grinding the gears out. It's about moving your leg. Well, I'm learning. It's about moving your legs fast enough to produce the power so that you can go further as you continually to go down the, you know, the the, the gears to a faster, more powerful gear. And so I was like, oh, and that's what I worked on from November of 2020 until this year is just really my efficiency and using the power that I have and mm-hmm. getting my MP, you know, my um, RPMs yep. up so that I can translate that into a higher MPH over time. And it's working for sure. Yeah. And we got to pause right there because that was a huge knowledge drop for our, and are you ready for this? Our TBL nation. You like that? We're a TBL nation. That's right. So that was a huge knowledge drop there. What, what she just said. So I'm going to go back and repeat that all for you so that you're clear on that. If you're mashing gears with a low cadence, so mashing, like you feel like you're riding through the mud or it's really heavy resistance, you are not getting the best mechanical efficiency out of your bike, right? So this thing that you've learned and you, and, and, but I will say this, when you first start shifting to the higher cadence, it's hard at first, right, Majanda? 
oh my gosh, it is totally hard. <laughs> it's like, you're like, I don't know how to ride my bike. What the hell is going on? This is so hard. It raises your heart rate. It makes your hips hurt. All sorts of things. You feel like your legs are going to fly off, like all these sorts of things. But yeah. when you get, if you put the work in like you did mm -hmm. and learning to marry that relationship between your gearing and your cadence, you are going to find that you can produce much more power. Um, and even if you don't have a power meter, it's irrelevant. You're still producing power. You don't need a meter to, me to measure power to produce it, right? Um, our gadgets are great, but your body's still doing stuff whether your gadgets capture it or not. But I, I really think, so if you're one of those people and you're riding under 70 RPMs on the regular, now is the time to start introducing higher cadence work and skill work into your schedule. Um, anytime is a good time to do that. And you could do it on your warmups. You could do it on your cool downs. You could do it on your, you know, in some intervals, there's, you can always pop some high cadence work in. So huge knowledge drop there. I'm sorry. I had to pause and I'm hijacking our conversation, but you can I tell I've had this conversation with athletes before. <laughs> hey, listen, I can totally tell you. You're like, yes, she gets it. But I'm <laughs> I didn't just get it. Like I had to really mm -hmm. just, you know, learn it by doing. And I learned yeah. better that way. And it's as if for me, God was like, okay, you want to learn? I'm going to show you. And I'm going to show you why you're actually doing the, the mm -hmm. actual motion. And like, I didn't have a fancy bike. I still don't have a fancy bike. And I was like, oh, I need to have this brand new bike for my first Ironman. And Earlier this year, you know, just with a lot of different things that's happened, I just couldn't afford a new bike, mm -hmm. but I could afford to work my body. That's right. <clears throat> and so I said, well, I'm going to do my best to do what I can with my body because it doesn't matter what kind of bike I have. If I still don't know how to work my body and work my legs, it doesn't matter about the bike. Yeah, I might be a hair faster, but over time, I'm going to be even more efficient if I learn how to work my glutes and activate my glutes and really, you know, just have a more efficient stroke rate. And so um, that really was transition. It was uh, transformative for me. I didn't mm -hmm. have a fancy bike computer for my birthday. I was uh, gifted a bike computer. I didn't have power meters. I still don't have power meters, mm -hmm. but I said, I do have heart. And so what I've been focused on is my heart, quote unquote. That's right. I've been following my heart. And so this race for me is really about following my heart and my heart and my heart rate is what's going to get me to the finish line. Yeah, that's exactly, that is exactly right. Again, another really important point. You can buy all the fancy tools you want, but at the end of the day, it's your engine that moves the car. You know, it's nice if you got a Corvette, but guess what? An old diesel truck is still going to do the job as well. And sometimes for long course, that diesel truck does a lot better than that fancy ass Corvette. So don't think that because you don't have a big budget, you can't do triathlon. That's not true. Um, sure. There, you can spend as much money as you want on triathlon stuff, but you don't have to. You just don't have to. What do you think though? So let's, talk, let's, let's say money wasn't an issue. Mm -hmm. what would you get next? Like, if it, it, like, so, so you're wishless, like it, there's, there's no concern for money. What triathlon gadgetry would you want to get? Oh, that's a good question. So I think I would probably get two things. Um, and I would get a uh, road bike and a time trial bike or a triathlon bike. And I say the difference between the two is because I would use one for racing and then mm -hmm. one for training. 
to maximize mm-hmm. my training. What two brands I look at and I am so enamored with how they look because of the colors being so freaking awesome. I will definitely say QR mm-hmm. and um, I don't know if I'm pronouncing it. Okay, so there's three brands that I've been looking at. Specialized because I like the S-Works line. QR just because they have some funky colors and I'm a loud person <laughs> and I feel like their brand matches with my loudness. Mm-hmm. And then um, Cervella? Yeah, Cervella. Yeah. Cervella. So those are the three, at least that I've been watching the pros and what they, you know, what mm-hmm. they have. So I'll probably have like maybe a QR road race bike because I know they're specialized. They were built for triathletes and then I'll get a specialized or Cervella uh, road bike. Or um, money's not an option. So we could get one of each kind. Okay, one of each kind. And then, you, you know, know, so you get the, you get the Q- Yeah, oh. yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, the, the Favero pedals. Yeah. They will have the Asiago Favero pedals and mm-hmm. uh, you know, probably some tricked out wheels. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't know all the you know terminology for the wheels, but yeah, some tricked out wheels. And I'll get a helmet that has the uh, the little shades because I want to look cool. Cause right now, don't judge me, but I wear <laughs> Privé Revol reading glasses. <laughs> my shades because I want to be able to see yeah like the clarity of being able to see and sometimes the tints kind of uh yeah. it messes with how I see so I'm like I just need some clear yeah no I've, I've raised with clear glasses a lot and so fun little fact about helmets so if you get an arrow helmet that mm-hmm. is probably the cheapest bang for your arrow buck if you're just looking to like kind of get a little bit of an added adv- arrow advantage helmet is the cheapest place to start And it goes up from there, of course, but, (laughs) but certainly, um, you know, having an aerodynamic helmet can bring speed advantages without a doubt. Um, as does a clean drivetrain. So cleaning your drivetrain is really important. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about that. And I'm telling this to myself because I can't just like, I I don't know when the last time I showered was. I also don't know when the last time I cleaned my bike was. (laughs) My coach's partner, he uh, is into bikes and he always says, you know, you got to wash that bike. You got to keep the bike. You know, if the bike is good and clean, it's going to, it's going to shave off time. I didn't take that seriously. Right. Mm -hmm. And this year I went and rode in the, PA and my bike was looking real rough. And this guy was like, I mean, but your bike is dirty. And I was like, ah, what do you mean? He's like, look, if you don't ride, you need to ride clean. And I said, okay. So uh, I, when I came back to DC, I cleaned my bike and I felt so proud. I took pictures like, oh my gosh, I cleaned my bike for the first time. And when I rode it, I could tell a difference. It was as if my bike was like, yeah, I'm ready. I'm clean. I'm so fresh and yep. so clean. Ew, ew. So yeah, a clean bike matters. It really does. It really does. All right, cool. So we've got you three new bikes, some power pedals, an aero helmet. Um, that's good. That's a good shopping list. So anyone, you know, want to donate to our Venmo, go ahead and do that because we're... <laughs> Uh, I'm shameless. Okay. You, you, everyone by now is like, oh, I see why Maria didn't do the interviews. All right. I got it. Right. <laughs> um, like sometimes when I was doing the interviews and just real talk, 
at the very beginning, I was just so nervous because I had so yeah. much going on in my life. And you guys have probably heard that throughout the season. You'd be like, well, some days Michelle is like loose, bit of caboose. And then some days she's like, okay, yep. And what else? And what's next? <laughs> and you know, just to, you know what was happening, you know, it, it's, it's something that you have to get used to. And yeah. yeah, it's something that you have to get used to. And I'm learning about little quirks. Like when I, you know, perch my lips and little sounds that I'm making, I'm like, oh my gosh, people can hear that. Cause it's, Anyway, we're talking, we're di- I'm digressing. I think you can hear it more than people can. That's for sure. Okay, so you're training for your first Ironman. Some yeah. people listen to this podcast are training for the first triathlon ever, probably a sprint or an Olympic, which is, I'm a coach. So I'm gonna tell you right now, that's where I recommend you start. Yes, people do their first triathlon as an Ironman. It's not that it's never been done. It's one of those, can you versus should you? And I think to really enjoy your first Ironman, you probably should have, some other races under your belt, but in this process. So, so I'm sure when you train for your first, you know, the first swim, as well as your first triathlon, where you did all the legs on your own, not as a relay member, I'm sure you had different parts of the training, but going into the Ironman specifically. So you're getting ready for Ironman Maryland going into this. What was your favorite part of training and what was your least favorite part of training? Going into it, I can't say that I had a favorite. However, the bike was becoming, I was starting to have a love affair with the bike. Okay. And that was because um, some, I had a dumb trainer and uh, my part, my um, coach's partner let me borrow his smart trainer. And I said, oh, is this how you're supposed to train? Is this how you're supposed to ride? And I was like, oh my goodness. And he came back, they came back early and uh, I didn't have it for a while. And I was just so miserable. I was like, I can't ride anything else. I've already tasted the good stuff. I need to go get me this. So I and literally called every bike store. And of course this was at the height. Everybody's, you know, no one has inventory, No, but the Trek store in Clarendon had one and it was a floor model. And I negotiated a really good deal so that I could get that floor model. Cause again, I try on a budget. Like that's what I've been doing all mm-hmm. since I've been trying. I try on a budget. We should do a whole work. episode on that. Try on a budget. Oh, we, okay. We, that we should do that. Yeah. So yeah. I literally tried on the budget and was able to negotiate down with the, the store manager and walked out of there with the floor model. And that being able to get <clears> on at the one time Zwift, I started with Zwift and then ended with trainer road. And that to me is when I was like, oh, I'm really starting to love biking and, mm-hmm. or cycling, I should say. And so that became, I started looking forward to my cycling workouts because I was coming off of injury uh, from a fifth metatorsal stress fracture. I wasn't as keen on running, but that's because I wasn't trusting myself yet. Right. Um, and I definitely wasn't trying to swim in nobody's COVID pool. So... <laughs> I've overcome a lot this year because swimming with yeah. usually my strongest has now become kind of sort of my weaker of the three sports, just because I didn't have that base of being able to truly maximize mm-hmm. during COVID because of having to schedule, yeah. um, schedule times. And now you can go, but the pools are packed. So that's been yeah. a challenge for me. 
Yeah, I think the swim has definitely been hard for a lot of us, right? You know, there's places where the pools are still closed or they're still on 30 minute or 45 minute reservations. So if you're training for an Ironman, a 30 or 45 minute reservation is not going to get the job done for you. No. So how do you kind of maximize that? So, okay, good. So it sounds to me like maybe the bike was your favorite part. I feel like you said you didn't have a favorite part, but then I heard that lilt in your voice. So I think, I think you're finding a little, little bike love there. I am. I said I was starting a love affair with biking yeah, and yeah. cycling. And it, it definitely is where I've been able to have um, a lot of peaceful moments and a lot of yeah. breakthroughs um, on yeah. the bike. Yeah. So should we do some rapid fire with you? Of course. Okay. Well, but, but you know what, before we do that, I, I think, I think maybe we wrap up the question portion. I don't know how long you want this to be. How long do you want this to be? Before we, before we move into that, um, <laughs> if someone came to you and they said, I want to do my first Ironman, mm-hmm. what would, at this point, before you've done it, you know, so we're going to come back later and we're going to get the post response, but before you've done it, what is the one thing you would tell that person to help them determine if they really want to go after this goal? It would be two things. Okay. The first thing I would tell them is know your why. Mm-hmm. because on days like today that I'm having where I cut my long swim very short <laughs> because I did the whole 10 minute rule made it to 30 minutes and I was like I'm done you're going to have days where you're going to be done but are you going to have days that you're going to be done and still want to keep going mm-hmm. and want to come back again and so you got to know why you're doing this and um, and remembering that because you are going to have bad days. You, if you have a perfect training season, you definitely aren't doing something right. But I will say that you can have really good training days and you're going to have some really bad days and you got to be able to know that why. The other mm-hmm. thing I was go- I'm going to say, if you don't have the time to truly be disciplined, you're not going to succeed. You have to carve out time and you have to count the cost. To do a full Ironman, you are training upwards to maybe 15, 17, 18 hours a week. That is the equivalent to a part-time job. Mm -hmm. If you don't have that time, fall back, try it again when you really can commit and or have the support system to support you. Mm-hmm. right now knowing that does it feel like it's worth it to you absolutely okay cool we're going to come back we're going to answer this question again after Marilyn and uh we'll see if it still feels that way but I want to say absolutely and the caveat yeah. to this absolutely is um for those of you who are listening by the time this airs I don't know where it's going to air yeah uh because we have done this very uh non-traditionally <laughs> in terms of recording but um my I didn't know when I signed up for this and I asked God, I was like, hey, can I do this race? Because I wanted to make sure that whatever I did, he was going to be with me on this journey because I, I didn't want to do it without him. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm very uh, spiritual. And for me, it was important to know that I was going to have support. My family doesn't really understand this stuff. So I couldn't count on them to be like, hey, Mashana, did you go get your 50 miles in? 
you know, <laughs> I, couldn't, I couldn't depend on that. Yeah. But I knew I could depend on God to be with me every step of the way. And so when I asked, could I do this after the endurance exchange? Because it was in the endurance exchange when I was like, oh yeah, I can do this, but I want to raise money to do it. I mm-hmm. wanted to actually give back to a community that will provide other people the opportunity to have access to this sport because that's important to me. And so to get God, to get God's approval and then to be able to fundraise to do it, I was like, okay, I got the green light. I moved ahead. In January, I felt like the Lord told me that I could do hard things. I didn't understand what that meant. But then in March, my brother passed away. And so for me, that kind of shook my world up a bit. And I did not know if I was going to be here today um, to be able to still do it. I was like, oh, because it's, it's easy to drop out. And I could have easily said, I'll do this another time but it was a welcome distraction that I didn't know I needed. Mm-hmm. And it helped me through my grieving process. Uh, while I was away, I couldn't ride the bike. So when I came back to ride the bike, I cried for the first three rides because I couldn't get through the rides. But then something happened and I had a breakthrough on the Schuylkill River Trail. And I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't cry today. I was like, <laughs> I, can do this. I didn't cry. And uh, running, I was able to do while I was there. So my running naturally got faster. And so this process of going towards Ironman has been a process for me of overcoming and overcoming hard things, overcoming, literally Mm -hmm. transitioning from housing, having challenges. So for me, it's been a welcome stress relief and a welcome opportunity to push myself beyond what I thought I was physically capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Answer the question, okay? Absolutely, and and I think you know ultimately. So it, in all the time I've been doing endurance racing, I think you hit on what makes it key. It's it's the journey. It's it's race day is great. Don't get me wrong. Race day is a fantastic celebration of all of your hard work, pain, suffering, joy, release, relief, all all the great emotions. You know, it's all it's all mixed up into race day, but r- really what makes race day so special is everything you did to get there you know mm. I, i'm i'm gonna rant for a second can i rant for a second Come on, rant, rant. <laughs> i'm gonna rant for a second so i'm feeling a little punchy today because this is like hour 92 of zoom and <laughs> so i'm a little nuts but after 395 days of zoom right whatever whatever day we're at i don't even know i don't even know but when people talk about like i didn't even train for that race and i finished and they're like bragging I get agitated because I'm like, you missed the point then. You missed the point. The, the point, I mean, the race is great. Don't get me wrong. I love to race. Racing is great. But I think more than anything, last year for me, when COVID went away, I, I didn't even think about stopping to train. Like it didn't even occur to me because this is what I do. Like this is, this is, this is where the joy is. The day in, day out, playing the 10 minute rule, pushing workouts, making adaptations, crying on your bike. It's all part of it. It's all part of it. I always cry when I train. I, I'm, I'm a weeper. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a weeper from way back. But I, I, you know, what you just said there is really key. And, and when people sort of want to shortchange that process and they want some kind of finish the race quick scheme, you're missing the point. The whole point is, is that journey, is the day in, day out, like, I don't know if I could do this. And then you do it. Like that's what's good. Cool. You may not do it on the first try. Okay, maybe maybe you get this really hard workout. 
and you don't finish it the first time because you're like, oops, that didn't happen. It doesn't matter. It, it, that is not failure. It's only failure when you quit. Yeah. When you quit trying again. Try, oh, see what I did there? Try again. See what I did there? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so I really think like you, that 100% you answered the question beautifully. And I think for our beginners, it's important to know that you're going to have hard days. You're going to have sucky days. You're going to have challenging days. And you're going to have magnificently wonderful days. Um, and it really is a process of overcoming. I love that. Yeah. Um, really, really awesome. Okay. Let's, let's do, let's do some rapid fire questions. Um, and favorite workout type. You don't have to give me a spit. Like what's your favorite type of workout? Intervals. Intervals. Okay. So what, what's in those intervals? What are they like? Just any high intensity workout. I really like high intensity okay. uh, intervals. So like if it's a sprint sprinting for like 30 seconds, 40 seconds, and then rest or doing okay. hill work, you know, just any type of intervals. Okay. Go to pump up song. Like what, what actually, what are you going to be listening to the morning of Maryland? Like, what are you going to be listening to to like get you in race frame? Mm, so I have a little playlist. It's a uh, worship playlist that has some okay. good godly stuff and then some ratchet stuff. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Cause I'm like, yeah. mm-hmm. Got to have a mixture of both. So yeah, so probably worship and ratchetness. Okay, and, I love uh, it. Glorious is probably uh, the one song I've been playing on repeat. Okay. And the one thing it says, I was born for this, born for this. Yeah. Uh, got a chance to start again. Okay, anyway. <laughs> yep, that's it. You were born for this. You, t- you, mm-hmm. you absolutely were born for this. Who or what inspires you? Hmm. Oh gosh, I hate that I ask other people this question now. This is a yeah, it's hard. I know. So, little fun fact about me: any question that asks me what my favorite thing is or what, like, if I have one, so I'm like you. You're like I have two, I have three. Yeah. Like I can never like say one thing. It's so hard. I know it's so hard. It's so hard. Wow, who inspires me? Or what? Or what? You know, most people are like, oh, well, my parents inspire me. I mean, they do. I love my parents. I love my family. But I think what inspires me is are people who don't quit. Mm -hmm. People who go through really hard times and come out with these miraculously beautiful stories of overcoming. Yep. What inspires me? Um, I am 100%. That's my answer. It, It does. Because, you know, when you hear about someone else's story and they were able to do it, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can too. Yep. So I am inspired by people who do hard things and overcome hard things and they're all the better for it. Okay. Love it. Um, favorite post-workout food? Pizza. Pizza, yeah, right? Now, do you chase that with like brownies or anything? Or <laughs> I'll probably chase pizza with bacon because I like bacon too. Okay. And sweets, I don't really necessarily like sweets after a race, Okay. but I would definitely say bacon or pizza for sure. Okay. Or bacon on the pizza. No. No? Okay. <laughs> yeah. No. Nope. I'm a pizza snob. I do not like bacon on pizza. It's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, I can so this, pizza, but not bacon. So this is a funny story. We were in North Carolina one time and somebody had ordered pizza with shrimp. Mm-hmm. And the woman at the counter in her beautiful Southern accent was like, we do not put shrimp on our pizza. And she was horrified. She was like, over my dead body, will that happen? 
Like I will literally close up shop and never make another pizza again. If anyone put shrimp on it, she was like, and she was just like, it was, and it was like, you know, I was just waiting for her to say, bless your heart. Cause then, you know, that's the Southerners way of saying you can go after yourself, you know? Yeah. So, um, I, she didn't, but she was definitely, she was thinking it. So, okay. All right. So pizza, um, end of a race, beer, wine, water, soda, juice, something else. You know, I like a good beer. Mm-hmm. And most recently, a non-alcoholic beer by uh, this company, ABC. I mean, if they want to come down and contribute to this, um, what is it, sponsorship? <laughs> athletic Brewing Company, I'm here for you. Yes. We are, we are here for you. We're here for you, yeah. Athletic Brewing. But, no, um, but I like Athletic Brewing Company. Uh, it's a really good, refreshing. It gives you all the bubbles and the hops yeah. of a beer without yeah. everything else. Yeah, good. Perfect. All right. Transition minimalist, space hoarder, kitchen sink bringer, or Goldilocks, kind of somewhere in the middle. I'm a hoarder. A hoarder. Okay. Indecisive. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, You're going to have to make sure you can fit everything in those Ironman bags. So that's why I'm starting packing two weeks early because I don't know. Just what goes in the bag. And that's the problem. So, okay. So that's a real thing. Like a person like me who wants to have everything, I am having a little bit of high intensity heart rate about what I need to bring, what I can bring, what I'm going to be able to fit and stuff because I like, it's it's a lot. So yes, I got to figure that out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, and the last question, this is the most important question. Do you pee on your bike or do you get off your bike to big? <laughs> uh, my preference, honestly, because you can clean your bike is pee on the bike. Pee on your um, bike. I have peed on my bike before, but as of lately, it's really hard. I've been trying and it just won't happen. So I guess, yeah. you know, my lady parts yeah. are like, mm, but I was like, <laughs> we're not doing that. Not, they're, not afraid. That. they're afraid. They're afraid. Like, I can let they're... you know after Maryland what happens. Yeah. That's right. We're going to come back. We're going to re-ask that question. All right. Well, there you have it, folks. We've had our first pre-first Ironman interview with our host, Mashonda, and we're going to hear from her again after. We'll get a little update, just like we've been doing with our other beginners, um, because this also gives you a good sense of kind of like you can be a beginner at every level. You've been doing triathlon for over a decade, right? And, and you're still finding ways to keep the sport new and fresh and fun and we're here for you to help continue to teach you ways to keep the sport fresh and fun and uh thanks for tolerating my interview uh <laughs> i guess it means Mashanda interviewing herself but thank you for yet again trying your luck with us thank you guys It's the most wonderful time of the year, but it's also that time of the year where we start to think about resolutions. So let's commit to you in 2022. With the No Limits Resolution Challenge starting from January 3rd through February 27th, this challenge is designed for beginners and features eight weeks of training to help jumpstart your routine after the holidays. Are you ready? Let's do this. Let's get ready to commit to you in 2022 by visiting www.nolimitsendurance.com backslash resolution hyphen challenge. All proceeds go to Girls on the Run. So here we are. The mini dot gets to interview the head dot for the second time, um, making a comeback here. So we are on the other side, well on the other side 
of Ironman Maryland, which was in September of 2021. Mashonda towed the line of that race, as we know from my first uh, debut as a host. Uh, and so I have Mashonda back again on the other side of this race. And we're going to ask her some questions. But I thought, you know, where we kind of started on the pre-interview was with her foray into triathlon generally, which was in a relay swim, if you recall, and she didn't even know it was going to be open water. So her first Ironman had a similarly uh, eventful swim. So let's start there. Let's start with the swim at Ironman Maryland and tell us, Mashanda, a little bit about you know, how it all started, or if you want to even start like pre-start line, that's totally fine. But let's, let's start at the beginning. Yeah, I actually do want to start pre-start line. And I want to say it is now December 30th, and it only took me over three months to even talk about this in this way. So of course it's been like, oh, so much, but before the race even started, that week was, I felt like a good week. The only thing that I was concerned about once I, once I stepped foot in Cambridge and went to Ironman Village, it was really kind of overwhelming a little bit, but yet underwhelming too. Like there weren't a lot of people there on that Wednesday when I checked in. However, there was a guy who came up and immediately wanted to talk to me. And I was just like, okay. So I knew at that point that they would be tracking me. And I had the, not necessarily the pressure of them tracking me, but I knew that they would be. So that was in the back of my mind. I also, after checking in, found out that I was a crabby and I didn't even know what a crabby was initially. And so a crabby is someone who participates in Eagle Man earlier in the year. And so I got my little, my little banger thing to bang on the, it's like a crab breaker or something. So that I received that and I was just excited. And so I knew then I was like, this is going to be a great experience. I'm going to be excited. Well, not going to be, I was excited. And I was just like, okay, I'm ready. I'm there. I'm getting my mental together. So then I went to go try to do my quote unquote, open water practice swim. And I went to do that. And there was a sign said to swim at your own risk. And for the first time I looked into the water and was like, oh, sugar, honey, iced tea. This is real. And I saw a lot of very translucent jelly-like substances in the water and was like, this has to move and go away before this race on Saturday. Fast forward, we had this whole Ironman group coming from DC. And so we had a group meet. And I remember, I remember praying this prayer and I was like, no. I said, thank you, Jesus, for the miracle wetsuit. Because I knew that if we were to get in there and have a wetsuit, we would be at least protected. And I also prayed that the jellyfish would actually be gone. And I was hoping that it would rain. It did rain, but not enough for the jellyfish to kind of move out the way. And so the jellyfish on race day were in full rare form. However, I'm probably all over the place right now, but you get in, you do the swim. And I immediately knew something was wrong 
but I didn't know what was wrong because I had followed everything to the T that morning. I got up, I did my devotional, I did my worship, I listened to my music. I was set and ready. I went to transition that morning, set up my other personal stuff because the bike was already set up. I went and made sure my tires were pumped. I lubed everything up and down my body with Vaseline, with the C-safe. Like I was prepared. And I get into the water and, oh, and let me go back. I also had done my hydration and had taken a bottle of fluid, which is what I was supposed to do before I got in the water. So I had done everything and just dropped that because it was done. I didn't need it anymore. So I did everything. So I knew my body was fully hydrated and I was ready to go. My swim wasn't a bad swim from a time perspective. I actually swam a very good swim. But I was starting to have muscle um, muscle cramps. And it was really weird because I was like, why is my feet contorting in the water? And I was like, well, I can't do anything about it. Let me just keep going because I want to get the hell out of this water. <laughs> like that was my only thing was just swim like a bat out of hell so you can get out of it. I don't know if bats can swim, but I did. Just wanted to get out of the water and um, just jellyfish coming left and right, left and right, left and right. I had been stung previously by like one jellyfish. So I knew I was like, I didn't think I would have a reaction or anything like that. So I was like, okay, didn't think about it. But getting out of the water, I get out of the water. I'm just like, God, thank you. I made it out of this water. I get into transition. I do everything I'm supposed to do in transition, wipe my body down, hose down, and get my next thing. So I made it and I survived the swim. So you are not alone. So if anyone's listening to this who has done Ironman Maryland, you're probably sitting on the other end of the of this podcast, nodding your head saying, oh my God, this happened to her too. Uh, on my team, we had some athletes, very similar uh, symptoms is what you're reporting here, Mishanda, with cramps and weird sorts of things. So the swim, while, you know, I know we learned in your pre Maryland interview that the swim is really kind of your comfort zone, right? It became a very uncomfortable zone quickly. Thanks. <laughs> thanks to these jellies. Thanks oh, yeah. to these jellies. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to, to cycle back too. So you said that there was people tracking you. So you mean Iron Man was tracking you because of your fundraising or I would like to say, yes, Iron Man was tracking me for a couple of reasons. It wasn't until he initially saw me, and I think I represent a market that definitely needs to be showcased, and I represent a diverse group. I'm a woman, I'm a Mm -hmm. Black female. So initially, I thought that's why. And I'm kind of bubbly and friendly, you know, so I'm always kind of cheery, like, hi, da, da, da. So of course, when you're, when people or anybody from a production company is looking to vet anybody, they're looking for someone who's going to give them what they need for what they need to show. And so I represented that market. And when we went inside, cause he started following me inside, I then, he then found out that I was raising money with Iron Man Foundation, or I might've had on an Iron Man Foundation hat. So that gave him the, the tip off plus representing the market share. And so in doing that, I guess I was a good candidate. Very interesting. Okay. So I think it's, you know, I think it's interesting to feel that pressure 
of knowing they're going to be tracking you, right? Because it's, you show up to a race and you're a little anonymous and you're like, okay, I'm going to hear, I'm doing my thing. But now you're like, oh my God, Iron Man's actually going to track me today. Mm-hmm. Um, did you feel any pressure from that while you were in the water and you're like getting clearly stung by the jellies? The, the, I'm imagining the, re, the, the realization of what's happening is starting to dawn on you like, whoa, these jellies are having an impact. I'm being tracked. Like, were you worried at all about being tracked or were you just kind of in race mode? So after the initial shock on Wednesday of knowing I was going to be tracked, I immediately had to wipe it out of my mind because I needed to get back focused and I didn't want anything to distract that focus. However, on race day, there was a moment where I was like, ah, sugar, honey, iced tea. Here's this got dog on camera in my face at a time (laughs) when I don't want it. And that was Mm -hmm. towards the end. Yeah. Okay. So we'll get to that in a second. Okay. We'll come, we'll come back to that again. Um, all right. So you're out of the swim, like a bat out of hell. And I, I, I guess that swim well, uh, you know, they get out. So you're in transition. What was your first Ironman transition? Like in my mind, I thought it was super fast. Um, when I look back at it, it was not, however, it was cool because I had the bags there and I had everything organized to a T. I knew exactly what I needed to take off. I had everything prepared. So I did my nutrition in, in the, while I was already sitting down, putting on my shoes, wipe, make sure my feet were wiped down. I did everything, putting on my helmet, uh, putting on, putting on all of the creams that you need to put on to make sure you don't shave. <laughs> You know, because that's important once you're already wet and then you're about to go ride for 112 miles. You want to make sure you're pretty well lubricated, right? Yeah. And, and you don't want to have to worry about finding those hot spots later when you hop in the shower. Oh, you get lit up like a Christmas tree from that come, for sure. <laughs> come through. I So on the bike, because I was well hydrated and lubricated in all other places, uh, the bike was really... Um, it was a safe zone for, you know, for me in terms of that part for the, for the most part. Um, but transition was great. People, the volunteers were extremely helpful. It was really amazing. And yeah, it was great. Did they have a change tent? So they did have a change tent. They had a change tent for women and females, but it was all open and open in the air for, you know, to be COVID safe. And so what I did was I bought one of these, um, like little onesie, little drape things where I could get dressed under that and feel comfortable because there were no private changing tents. So I was able to buy that, which also dubbed as a towel to help me dry off to just maximize efficiency. Yeah, perfect. I I asked that question only because I I think back and I know with COVID they had done away with the changing tents. I just didn't know if at Maryland, they were still doing away with it, but I, I would imagine. And for anyone listening to this, if you're looking to do your first Ironman, it's going to happen this in 2022, I would assume there will continue to be no closed changing tents. So Mashonda's tip there to have a little something, if you want to change or you want to dry off or whatever, you have that kind of there for you to ready. But my first Ironman was a traditional, this was, oh God, at this point, like I think 11 or 12 years ago. So it was the regular old changing tents that were closed. And I wasn't planning, you know, I, I, I didn't really know what was happening in there, but I remember standing at the door about to enter the changing tent. And there was just so much sweaty nakedness. I just stood at the door. Like I didn't know what to do. I was paralyzed, like absolutely paralyzed. And a volunteer came up to me and I'm just like gripping my bag at my neck. Like, where am I supposed to go? 
why and why is everyone naked? Because I wasn't planning to change. I was like, am I supposed to change? I don't know what's going on here. And a volunteer came up to me. I was like, do you need help? And I'm like, absolutely. But so ditto your your note on how wonderful the volunteers are, which are really other athletes, which is so cool. All right. So T1 is successful. You're on the bike. You are doing this thing, right? Like you are like, it really like reality is hitting home. It's happening. It is. How was that bike? How was it? So the bike at first was amazing. I was like, Ooh, I'm, I'm, averaging some pretty good numbers. It was really good. And I was like, whew, this is going to be a great day. I made it past the swim. It's going to be a great day. Great day. Around mile 30, something in my stomach started to bubble. Now, let me be very clear. I chose to go with F2C, which is an all liquid nutrition. And I did that because I didn't want to have the risk of any, um, any GI issues. And I say that because I was so calculated in pretty much everything. I had everything planned to a T. And that was the one thing I decided. I was like, I've never really had GI issues before. So I didn't know what it was and I didn't want to start. So let me go with this liquid diet. And I had seen how it allowed me to really fuel my muscles and fuel my body. And so I was like, this is my way to go. So I had been practicing this for about three months now, just practicing every little detail and nuance. So around mile 30, my stomach starts to bubble and I'm like, what in the hockey sticks is happening? So I just said, okay, this is weird. This is weird. I get to mile 64, way ahead of what I intended on getting there. So I'm at this point like, okay, you are on good track. Cause again, I was wanting to make all sure I had extra time for the run. I was like, I am on track. Mile 64, I get to uh, the special needs area. And for whatever reason, I felt dizzy and confused and was like, what is happening? So I get off the bike and I just, I'm going to interrupt you just for our beginners, explain to them what a special needs area is. Yeah. So special needs is where you go pick up anything that you need to, whether it's extra chafing, I mean, chamois butter, if it's extra tubes, any spare tires, whatever it is that you think that you might need to go on fresh pair of socks, food, nutrients, whatever you want. Some people your have movie. hamburger. Your, yeah. People your have will be up here crying. <laughs> right. People have everything in special needs. So there's nothing that's off the meter. And so I get off and, um, the volunteers that were there were volunteers are new. So it was very strategic. And so she called for my bag. My bag was already there. And um, she was like, you don't look good. And I was like, what you mean? I didn't know I didn't look good. I just knew I didn't feel good. And she was like, let me get you some water. And I was like, I just need to go to the bathroom. And that is where it all started. I went to the porta potty and had a little moment. And it wasn't the moment where you can usually just go in and go out. I actually had to cover your ears or cover your whatever, sit on the toilet. And that is something I don't ever want to do. I am like a germaphobe, and it was like, but I had to like sit my butt down. Of course, I made sure things were covered, but I just had to go. And when it released, I was like, whoo, I feel so much better. And I was like, well, you know, this? that's a sign of like everyone listening to this right now is like, they know how bad you felt because you sat like <laughs> everyone here knows, like it's a bad 
situation if you've got to sit. Like you're just like, this is, this is, we're in a bad spot. So that detail is actually really important. So I sit down and then I'm like, whoo, I come back out and I have my drink. I'm refueling because again, everything is timed out. And I was like, oh, looking at my time. And I was like, okay, I got to go. But I couldn't move. It was like, I couldn't go anywhere. And she was like, I'm, I said, give me ice. So uh, Remy went and got me some ice. Shout out to Remy from District Child, who's the president. She went and got me some ice. And uh, I was like, okay, but I need more ice. So then I put ice in the front of my chest. I put ice in the back of my chest because it was unusually hot too. So I'm thinking like, maybe that's it. Maybe it's just me being extremely hot. I have not correlated that something is actually happening in my body. So then I get back on the bike and realize I can't really pedal. I can't really like, it was really hard for me to get my speed up again. And then I was like, oh, I got to go to the bathroom again. And I was like, what the hell is happening? So I get, make it to the next rest stop. And I, um, again, pause to go to the bathroom, but there's a line because again, at this time, it's a lot of people, I guess, apparently again, not registering, but people who need to use the bathroom. So it's not uncommon to be at a rest, one of the special, you know, being at one of the aid stations. Yes to get help. And I made sure I got more ice because I was like, as long as I can keep replenishing this ice. And one thing I had in my special needs bag, which I'm so grateful for was a Ziploc bag. That Ziploc bag was key because the Ziploc bag allowed me to be able to stick ice in two different places so that I could stay, keep my body temperature under control. So I keep going, I'm going to the next uh, moving and I'm like, okay, I'm slowing up. I'm like, okay, but maybe that's because it's a headwind. So I'm just like, okay, just know whatever you do, just keep pedaling. But my stomach is still like, and I'm like, what is happening? So then the next rest stop comes and I stop to get off there. Of course, you know what happens. I do what I need to do. I keep going. The next rest stop is like, okay, I'm coming up around mile 93 and I stop again, maybe around like 91 or 93. And then around now 96, I see this car, one of the official cars. And I'm like, hey, where is there a restroom? Because by this time, Maryland is very desolate. There's not much around. And if you stop or if they tell you, if you use the bathroom on the side of the road, you will get DQ'd if somebody comes and see you. So I'm a newbie. So I'm trying to do everything by the book. I'm trying to do everything by the book. And so I was like, well, I can't stop here. And then I was like, okay, Michonne, if you can just make it to transition, you can get off at transition and take all the time you need to go to the bathroom. So I had to suck it up and just keep pedaling. And as soon as I got to transition, it was like, get to the, put your bike up and run so that you can go to the bathroom. So I run to the bathroom and then go put on my shoes, transition into um, my run clothes. And then I have to go to the bathroom again. So that's two times in the bathroom within less than three minutes. And I'm still not correlating that something is wrong, but I did make the cutoff for the bike well in enough time, you know, so I was still on track to finish in a very good time. Yeah. I was tracking you all day and I'm, uh, you know, I, you know, not knowing what's happening, of course, because I'm just looking on the Ironman tracker and I'm like, she's doing it, man. She's getting it done. But little did I know the literal turmoil that your stomach and body was undergoing. And, and it sounds like it was dawning on you kind of slowly and gradually, like, wait a minute. Like, at, at what point did you realize it was an allergic reaction to the jellyfish or did you re- realize it at any point? I didn't realize it until I couldn't sleep around three o'clock in the morning. And I just happened to Google 
jellyfish reactions? Like, what are the symptoms? Because I didn't know if something was wrong because it even got progressively worse that night to where I thought I was going to not be here. There was blood in my stool. There was a lot of stuff that was happening. It was, I was vomiting at this point and I wasn't sure. And this is all after the fact. I was vomiting and I was like, what is happening? Because I'm not usually even a vomiter. Like I, I know my body to the point where I was like, something is definitely wrong. So you're going through this race, not really realizing that no. your body's like having a full-blown allergic reaction. And you're yeah. in the middle of your first Ironman. Like yeah. what in the actual, what the what, right? Yeah. Like just yeah. the, like in hindsight, it's insane to, to think about the, the sequence of events. So you yeah. get in off the bike, you're like, okay, what's wrong with my stomach? But I still have plenty of time. So, you know, the journey song, Don't Stop Believing is playing on repeat in your mind because you're like, I got this, you know? Yes, and it is. Just a small town girl from, well, Augusta's not really a small town, but it is a small town. <laughs> is, it, is it a small it's town? It's a small okay. town. All right. All right. All right. Good. So just a small town girl from Augusta trying to get a, get around in an Ironman world. Right. So that's it. You're in T2, you drop off the bike. How good did it feel to get off the bike? Yo, it was amazing. It was like, oh, I did it. I survived the bike and I'm here to the run. So at, when I got there and got on the run, I was like, I'm, this is going to be, I don't know what to expect, but what I do know is I'm a finish and it's going to be sweet and it's going to be great. Like I just knew if I could make it to the bike and make it past the bike, it was going to be a wrap. So of course I do what I do in my transition, put on my clothes, trans, you know, do what I need to do. And I have to put on lipstick because if I'm a run, there's going to be pictures. Cause you know, people are going to be there. So I put on my lipstick and I'm ready to go. Cause I'm like, we are in this and we're ready. Um, I love that you paused in transition to put on lipstick. So I that did. is, that is a special, that is a special Mashonda trick. So, and, and, you know, if you could see us, you'd know one of us is very well put together and the other one of us, not so much. So oh, I'm put together <laughs> from the top up, honey, from the top up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, at least something's put together because, you know, it's not much over here in, in, in little dot central. So, all right. So we're out on the run. It's happening. Like, you're like, I'm, I'm going to finish. Like this yeah. is, this is happening. So t- tell me, tell me how you're feeling in the run. So the run, I'm feeling really great. I, uh, especially after I used the bathroom, I felt like, oh, I can move because I feel a little bit light. My feet were a little bit numb, but I was like, there's no problem. I'm following the plan. My first mile was a little bit slower than what I had anticipated, but I was like, no problem. As long as you keep this pace, you keep your run, walk method, keep your run, walk method. I immediately came out of um, transition, had friends there with signs that I was not expecting, you know, just seeing their faces and seeing their signs. I'm like, oh yeah, this is great. Okay. Moving forward. So I get around the first corner, I see some other friends, some of my lion sisters that come out and it was like, oh my gosh, yay. And it's like, I'm keeping going. Then you see some of your other friends and it's like, wow, this is amazing. You got all these people who are out here cheering for you. And uh, you're a rock star for a day. It's so fun. It was, it was kind of cool. And I was like, yes, this is amazing. And so I just kept running and I kept looking at my watch. I even had a, um, One thing I did not do, and I wish I would have done, was I should have used a triathlon mode on my watch, but I did not use triathlon mode on my watch, which didn't allow me to have the most accurate time. And that was a rookie mistake. Um, I used 
the individual ones, because I was also trying to follow the plan in which my coach had set for me. And so I wish I would have done triathlon mode and figured everything else out route. I also had a a little run walk um, timer. So if my watch had dysfunction, I had a backup timer that would make sure that I stayed on my target. So we have everything in motion because anything can happen. So you have to have a backup and there's no way I'm gonna have two uh, GPS watches. So the best next thing was to have, um, you know, a quick little, uh, timer that will help me as think as a Galloway timer that will help me stay on track. And it will be long enough so that it would allow me to finish the marathon, you know, safely and, and not anything happen. So I am going around and it's like, okay, after the first three miles, it's like, I go back into uh, the little transition. It's like the road, the, um, the course goes through transition again. I have to stop and use the bathroom again. It's like, okay, here we go. And then I was like, all right, Lord, I call my body into alignment to fully cooperate. Like, so at this point, I'm now confessing stuff to myself because I have to keep, you know, stopping. I get to mile five and a half or six. I don't know where it was. I have to stop again. And here there's a line of people. And I'm like, holy crap. Because I'm not really at the point where I'm not going to crap on myself because that's like disgust. And peeing on myself is different than the other thing, right? Like there's some levels to this. So I'm like, okay, fine. I wait in line. So again, time is ticking and time at this point waits for nobody. So I keep moving forward and use the bathroom. I keep moving forward. And then I have to go to the bathroom again. And I was like, what is happening? So again, I take my time, use the bathroom. All right. We're back in it again. Running, running, running. And uh, so I'm around mile seven or eight coming back. I use the bathroom again there's a line. So I don't think that there were a lot of extra bathrooms available for people because who knew that people will have so many GI issues. So we get to a point where I'm almost very close to making the first cutoff. And I'm like, all right, Lord, what I do know is the song I listened to before was I'm going to see a victory. So I need to see this victory. So I call the Holy Spirit, like I'm calling on all the angels, everybody, I need to make this cutoff because I've already wasted so much time. So I make the cutoff. I get my first band. I'm like, cool. I need to make the second cutoff, which is three miles away. So I go back through again, that same territory where you see everybody. Um, I think this time I even saw my dad. So I was like, oh, cool. I see my dad. I come back through still stopping to use the bathroom wherever there's a porta potty because I had to. Um, And then I noticed that I was getting a little bit slower because I'm depleting all of my energy. It's hot as crap out there. And Thank God I have a liquid nutrition because the liquid nutrition goes straight to your bloodstream. It goes straight to your muscles because other than that, I would have been depleted. So I keep going. I make the, the second, um, the second cutoff with somehow, and I made it with time to spare. And I was like, Whoo, I got my second win. I'm ready to go. So now it's getting dark. And I, again, start experiencing, um, like a little bit of muscle fatigue as if, you know, my muscles are dehydrated. So I'm like, okay, I know I'm a lot of liquid is coming out of me. I got to replenish that because again, when you're going and having GI issues, I'm on a liquid diet. So there's no food on my system. Everything is liquid. So I'm losing, uh, I'm losing much more liquids than I normally would have, if I would have had more food or substance, but I'm glad I don't have food. Cause that could have been even uglier. It's dark in the night. It's around mile 16, 17. 
and it's up this little like dark alleyway or whatever. Bathrooms are few and far between. There was a line. And I remember Aaron and Tina being there and Aaron, um, who I did their endorphin fitness um, training camp, they were there. And she was like, we've been waiting for you. We were wondering what's happening because you were doing so good. And I was like, I got to use the bathroom. And I looked at them and was like, I can't wait in this line. I'm not going to make it if I wait in this line or what do I do? And I, I, um, and at that moment, I had to let go of all of my pride and sugar, honey, iced tea on myself. <laughs> like I was embarrassed because I had to watch have two people watch me crap on myself. And then it was like, not necessarily crap, but it's like crap because there's something coming out of me. But I'm like, I got to keep going because I have to get to that finish line because I remember that I'm going to see a victory. So I got to keep going. And so I keep going. And at this time it was like, all right, keeping on. I knew at mile 18, 19, I was like, okay, I had in practice, I had gotten up to mile 20. So I knew I would be good after 20, but I knew I would need support from people. So I told people strategically to be in places. So when I passed them, they could say, you got this, keep going. You're at this time, keep going. So, cause I didn't have my phone. I didn't have anything. Again, all these things they tell you not to have. I tried to be a rule follower and didn't have anything. Again, at this point, I'm all, when I had to stop and crap, you still have to stop being let it out, even though, because at this point I had already done it, I'm not going to keep stopping at a porta potty at this time. So I just did it. And so I get to a point where the night is getting really dark, it's getting really late. And I think we're at a mile, about mile 24. And uh, I remember um, Tina, who was an angel who um, came to Sherpa uh, for me. And she says, I look at her and I was like, you know, what is it looking like? And she's like, it's really close. I think her and Lindsay, I said, it's looking really close. And uh, I looked at my watch and knowing what I had in me, I was like, mm, I'm not going to make it. And uh, I sucked it up and I said, but I am going to make it. And at this point it became personal. And so I had to dig a little deeper and just fight. And um, that's what I did. I continued to fight. I, my coach ended up coming, which was a shocker because she was at Worlds and had just gotten back and had drove from Dallas to be there. And literally when I saw her, I was like, okay, this is gonna run. And we started singing Glorious the Song upon all other spiritual songs, like just all these songs. Just, I was just really trying to like get my mind focused and keep going forward. And um, I get to the finish line and my friends are there and I'm like, you know, trying to pick up the speed and I really just have nothing left in the tank, but I'm like the, the way to the finish line is forward. And so I get to the finish line. I have a camera in my face running down the finish line, but in my heart, I was just like, but I didn't make it. I did not finish so I immediately felt defeated, although I had finished and was like, this sucks, you know, to work so hard for something, to be so diligent, to do everything by the books per se, and to come up 17 minutes over was disappointing. So it took me a little time to get over that. But the one thing that I did get over 
and rather quickly was that I realized that I fought differently. I just finished over time. I did not DNF. I DNF according to man standard, but I finished over time. So I finished every part of that 140.6 plus miles because you do more than the actual 140.6. Yeah. And you got to add in all the, all the trips to the porta potty too. So it was definitely more than 140.6, you know, uh, and, and the challenge and the struggle. And, you know, a lot of people, Mashonda would have quit when they did the math and they realized they were going to be a tick over yeah the the time but you didn't quit so you did finish you did finish no I did I did finish and you know they gave me of course the medal the hat and all that stuff but my heart was crushed you know because Mm -hmm. you know it that's not what you go there for you don't go there to just not get the promise right I went there to do something but what I fit what I realized after much prayer And after a lot of times as I read this, because I knew I had the approval of God and I knew that everything was in place because I wanted to give back to this underserved community by volunteering. And I saw this uh, came in my email in October and it was at the right time. And it said, there are seasons where we feel like we've heard God. We stepped out in faith and obedience and things didn't go smoothly or progress like we expected them to. It can feel confusing, frustrating, and even defeating when this happens. This is how I'm feeling, right? It says, however, that's not ne- it doesn't necessarily mean you missed it. And then it says, um, there are limitless reasons why this may happen, but spiritual warfare tops the list. During this time, it's important to lean into God's leading. We must stand firm when things become challenging. A trial doesn't necessarily mean we did something wrong or that God is closing a door. Sometimes it simply means we are facing spiritual opposition. These challenges or delays can yield good fruit if we allow them to. Both James and Romans refer to these types of seasons. What fruit are you yielding? Perseverance, maturity, completion, lacking nothing, character, ultimately hope. When everything is smooth sailing, we don't have to work or our character We we don't have to work on our character very much, but the Bible tells us to rejoice when we face trials because they grow us. It is time for the body of Christ to step away from the microwave culture. We must dig deep, lean into the presence of God and do the deep heart work. We are called to a life that is set apart, perseverance, longevity. Not only we receive everything in nanoseconds, developing character takes time and endurance, which is vastly different from our instant microwave culture that wants to bypass the process of growth. So that finish line for me was not my finish line. That was just my starting line. That's it. Because as it says in Romans, as it states in Romans um, 5, 2, and 3, we can rejoice too when we run into problems and trials, for we know that they help us develop endurance. I do an endurance board. And endurance develops strength of character and character strengthens our confidence, hope of salvation. And this is the hope that will lead, that will not lead to disappointment for we know how dearly God loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with love. At the end of the day, this lesson was deeper than that finish line, but I made it seem like it was all about the finish line because that's what the hype is about getting your name called across that finish line saying, I am an Ironman. Now, will it happen for me? Absolutely. It just wasn't on September 18th. But what happened on September 18th is such an important part of your overall journey because you know now you can fight through 
anything. Amen. And what you've just explained to your listeners is the epitome of a growth mindset. So when we have a growth mindset, we don't accept any one period in time as permanent, as our forever situation. So you had a moment in time on September 18th that wasn't necessarily in line with the vision you thought it would be, but you have come to see that moment as one point in all of the many points of your endurance journey. And when I say endurance here, I mean it in the sense of not only athletics, but in the way you're using it here, right? In in a spiritual sense. So I think what an important lesson, and I know we're coming up on our time here, but what an important lesson to leave your viewers or your listeners rather, what are we doing here? Next seasons might be viewers. This one's listeners. Uh, Teaser alert, teaser alert. Um, (laughs) But what a great way to kind of end your season, both as an athlete and as a podcast host with this fantastic lesson of adopting the beginner's mindset where we started this season with that beginner's mindset and that beginner's mindset takes a growth focus. Everything happens in ways that allows us to grow for the next time. If you let it. Yes. And And you have let it, Mashanda, you have let it be that for you. What an inspiration. Yes. And I need to add During this, the last three months, I've gone through a lot of different ups and downs. And one of them was I was going to try to do Florida. I had reached out to the people at Ironman Foundation. I was like, hey, I want to do Florida. And realized I was operating in pride. There are a few points that I want to kind of close up with that I think is important that I learned from my road to Ironman. Everybody's journey is different. Don't compare your journey to anyone else's journey and don't let anyone take anything away from your finish, whether you finished beforehand or finished overhand. If you finish, you finish. And that's what it's about, not giving up and not quitting. Because what I learned is that, yes, I could have quit. I could have quit miles before, but I knew that how I finished would determine how I finish everything in life. And there's one thing about me is I'm going to finish and do everything to the best of my ability. It may not be fast, but I'm going to finish. And if we remember the tortoise ends up winning, right? If I'm not mistaken, right? Okay. So I realized that support is important. Ask for what you need and all support isn't good support. So be mindful of that. You only can control what you can control. That's it. I'm one of those people who want to control everything. And what I realized is I had everything so organized and planned. And the one thing I couldn't control was my bodily functions. Perspective is everything. How you see something and how you perceive, it matters. I became the transition queen during this. During this whole season, from experiencing the loss of my brother to being homeless ish for the season, I overcame. And what that race taught me was that even through it all, I can do hard things and I don't give up and my work still gets done. Hence this podcast still happened and no one knew what I experienced. Whew. Pride. Don't let pride get to you and don't do races because your friends are doing them. Do them because you want to do them because it's going to be you and that race finish line at the end of the day. I do have a lot of, um, Thank yous, because I wouldn't have, this journey was not done. I didn't get to this journey alone. And so if I forget your name, just know I've I've already told everybody, thank you. But there are some people that um, 
I just want to say thank you to. First, I want to say thank you to uh, my coach, Zan, who not only helped coach me, but she let me live with her when I couldn't live in my home because of mold and mice had infected my home and her partner, Ray. My um, Garmin broke and Mike Ship let me hold his, then somehow his broke. And then Lindsay Hyman gave me hers. And then Marcus Fitz stepped in and was like, hey, I can help you. Let me help you do this. And he also helped me with like a wetsuit at the end. Ellen helped me with a wetsuit. Let me try on her wetsuit. Susan, Coach Lloyd, just calling on me and checking on me to make sure I was okay. Coach Sarah for helping me come back from injury. Uh, Aaron Horville and Endorphin Fitness for allowing me to even come and do their training camp, which allowed me to have that experience to feel confident enough on race day. Glendo at F2C, who spent countless hours talking to me on the phone to make sure that I had my nutrition game on deck. Um, the angel, I didn't know anything about having a a Sherpa. And Tina McIntosh came out of nowhere and was like, hey, I'm going to be with you and I'm going to help you, which was a game changer. Upper Zoom crew, which is a prayer team that we've been meeting for over a year now in the pandemic, because I know they prayed for me. Pastor Heidi, who also let me stay with her. Maria, who this podcast wouldn't be here. Because if it wasn't for her saying, it's okay, Mashanda, especially when my brother died, just take it one step at a time. Thank you for saying yes to help me because you didn't know me. We've never physically met in person, but the power of triathlon community shows that when you have a dream and a vision and you ask, people will come and help you. Sarah, who's come on after a little bit after to help with social media. Thank you, Sarah. The Black and Miles crew, they know who they are. Um, and to every season one guest, Rocky Harris, Jason Bahamundi, Yvonne Spencer, Brian Getsky, our beginners, Robert Mara, Matthew LaPointe, Tisa Holly, Sadiq Stewart, Leslie Tooks, who planted the seed for me to be in this sport, our other beginner relay teams, Rudy, Ajua, and Al Smith, the first African-American female triathlete, Sika Henry, um, Lindsay Lee, who also dubbed as my nutritionist, shout out to No Limits Coaching, Greg Hawkins, who also hires me to be an announcer. So for those of you who are listening, I am an announcer. And thank you, Greg, who is over at Kinetic Multisports, Joanne Murphy. And I want to thank myself. And I say that we don't often give ourselves a pat on the back. But there's this song that goes out there that's like, girl, you did a good job, sis. You did a good job. I'm patting myself on the back and saying, sis, you did a good job. Whether this podcast goes to wherever, I'm just grateful that I had the opportunity to do it. And the people who believed in me to come on to say, to do the interview, I'm thankful for Iron Man for even putting on races that gets us to challenge our mind and our bodies, our souls, and everything that's in us. I am grateful. And I thank you who are listening. Because without you, we wouldn't have a podcast. So please share this, like this. Please leave a review. If you want to sponsor this, please do so. Thank you all to try Beginner's Luck Nation. Thank you. If you are beginning and you're interested, come holler at us. We will help you get to wherever you need to go. This isn't about me, but it's about you. This sport has changed my life. 
And even though my finish wasn't my desired outcome, it was the desired outcome I needed to keep going and to fuel what I have in me. Because truth be told, had I gotten across that finish line, I would be done with probably doing long distances and doing everything. But that's not God's intent for me. That was just his start. So wherever you are, whatever you're doing, it's the last day of the year. Push your goals. You got this. And always remember, when you try beginner's luck, you always win. That's it for me. Maria, go ahead. I, I'm not going to ruin that beautifulness with anything I've got to say other than to say, I am so proud of you and the work you've put in because a lot of people don't see what happens behind the scenes, but I know at least some of it. You've taught yourself how to audio edit, how to do all sorts of things for this podcast. And you really pushed out of the comfort zone. You are the inspiration to these beginners. And I am grateful to be a part of your life. Thank you. Happy New Year. And oh yeah, Happy New Year. But shout out to Arlington Independent Media. I remember taking classes there. And um, if you, those of you who really love that intro and outro, I was able to go into a studio when we could go into a studio and record that. And that's the only thing that was recorded. So shout out to the team. Dance over every time when I yes. listen to the show, I'm like, boop, boop, boop. I, love now, it. I picked out the music, but they helped me mix it. it together. And I love it. And yeah. I love them. And I want to say thank you to uh, Pastor, uh, uh, Pastor Lyle, because he helped me as well, just giving me influence and helping me with this. So there's been so many people who helped me. Thank you so much. I love you all. And I don't know where this is going to go, but I do know season two is going to be fire and we're adding some elements. So get ready, get ready, get ready. And let's do this. This is Mashonda and Maria, and we are out. Peace. Thank you for tuning in and listening to this episode. We need your help so we can continue to try at TBL. So for more information on where you can find and subscribe to this podcast, visit www.trybeginnersluck.com. And don't forget, whenever you try beginner's luck, you always win.